This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. Yeah, that was outstanding. Like, we love our, the fans here are fantastic. I love the passionate following that we have from our fans. They're knowledgeable, and they see guys paying the price and, and to win hockey games, and that's what they want to see. They're paying big money to come see us play. They want to see the effort. They want to see the commitment. They want to see sacrifice to make sure we're playing every, as hard as we can to win hockey games. They're smart they're hockey fans, and they acknowledge it. I think that was fantastic. Head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, Rick Bonus after the game, uh, big moment there uh, in the first period, killing off uh, two big penalties, particularly that one for Morgan Barron, the the double minor, uh, and the fans cheering. Two big blocks there by by Adam Lowry. I mean, that's what the fans want to see when they go to a hockey game. I feel bad for making fun of Coach's haircut now. You make, you're when, making fun of Rick Bonus's yeah, hair? Why? I took to social media last night because it was like a fresh haircut, but only around the edges. Oh. So I, I for one, I've never brought this up because I highly respect Mr. Bonus, but I find his hair a little disheveled lots of the time. Um, and then last night when I saw he got a cut on a close-up as I was listening to CJOB and had it on, I was I saw that it was really short just around the edges, and I, I said, I said, Jet said Coach Rick Bonus's haircut tells me that he went to Grandma's for the weekend and she wanted to clean it up. It's it's not it's not up to your specifications, is it, Jim? It's well, not up I to just, the quality. Look, he's sixty-seven. See, he when can you do look in, when you look in the mirror and you get that comb. And you're brushing it through. You walk away. You give yourself a wink and you walk away. And then you're critical of everyone else's hair. Well, is just, that what it is, Jim Toad? Sometimes he's on the bench and it's only three minutes in and it looks like somebody gave him a noogie or rubbed his <laughs> hands through his hair. And I'm just like, you know, at the start, it should yeah. look, it should have some product it's, it's and gonna, be done. Yeah, in yeah. the third period, if you're telling a ref to go make love to himself or something, yeah. then I could see it being a little askew. But last night I saw he got it touched up, and it just kind of looked like it's somebody. That never happened to you as a kid. You went to grandma's, and it was like a little shaggy. Let me just help you, and then before you know it, you've like got this bowl cut going. That <laughs> well, that's what I used to get. My mom used to just drop the bowl yeah. on my head. I was anyway, and then I heard him speak after. I'm like, he's such a smart man. I should have made fun of his hair. Yeah, well, you could ask me. You but said what's to me. what's lost in that clip from last night about the cheering for Adam Lowry and how smart they are is I go back to the Philadelphia game right before the break where he said. Look, this is a hockey crowd, and they know that if you don't put the effort in, and you don't, he goes, I'm surprised it didn't boo us more. Yeah. Paraphrasing. So yep. give credit to the crowd and on both nights, I think, for knowing their hockey. Yeah. And of course, a 3 2 shootout win for the Winnipeg Jets over the Seattle Kraken. They're going to be off to Columbus. Uh, for a game tomorrow, then they'll be off to the New York metro area. That's going to get going on Sunday. Uh, Devils on Sunday, Rangers on Monday, and then on Wednesday, they'll wrap that up with the Islanders before they head home to take on the Colorado Avalanche. Another man on his way to Columbus uh, is our guest, Ken Weeb, writer and broadcaster, uh, contributor here on 680 CJOB, as well as uh, with Sportsnet, of course. Ken, how you doing? Doing tremendous, uh, Cameron. Uh, you also know now why I took my hair to the wood after Jim's critique. Having to stand beside him during his Shaw days during our Moose Tracks program. Uh, it was, it, it, it's not enough that he was half a foot taller than me, and I had to stand a couple of years. Uh, years and you're giving away all the secrets. <laughs> I brought a milk crate for you, and I, I once did say, look, I'm your friend, so I'm just going to say this. <laughs> It's time for the Mark Messier. <laughs> yeah, it's But true, you look dynamic true. now. You look great. 
Yeah, I know my, uh, my, uh, my hairstylist, Michelle, wanted me to do it uh, three years earlier, but I was a little hesitant, but I shouldn't have been. Well, at least Michelle the was there. At, yeah, at least Michelle was there for you. This, uh, uh, the texter says 204-780-6868. We all can't have JT hair. I just, I shouldn't. It just looked like Grandma touched it up for him. That's all I wanted okay, to say. Uh, Ken, oh. what'd you make of the game last night? I mean, especially against Seattle. Yeah, it was a fun game. Uh, I would say everything kind of came as advertised. The Kraken are a fast team, and Jets uh, were mostly in control. I would say, I mean, not necessarily on the scoreboard, but I thought they controlled the you know wide, wide uh, you know, swaths of the game. Uh, and then they took a took a penalty that kind of got them on their heels. And then before they knew it, they had had uh, you know a double minor to Morgan Barron. And once you once you kill six minutes in penalties in the first period, you, you know some of your skilled players that are not out there on the penalty kill like. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, Kyle Connor to a degree, Nikolai Ehlers, uh, they just didn't really get into any more flow of the game because they had been you know, kind of stapled to the bench for those stretches. And I mean, as you mentioned, those two block shots by Adam Lowry, uh, you know, massive in order to help the Jets get some, keep the momentum going. And I mean, the other part too is that the fact that he, he knew right away that he needed to give uh, Brennan Dillon his stick. And let's be honest, guys, JT is someone who knows something about height. Like Brendan Dillon is one of the only people that can actually utilize Adam Lowry's stick properly because they're <laughs> around the same size. Uh, well, well, either Adam Lowry's or Toby Enstrom's are both the same length. Well, but yeah, good yeah, point. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, it was, it was a fun game. I mean, David Riddick was excellent. Pressed into action with the you know illness to Connor Hellebuck. I know you guys saw. I skated this morning briefly. Uh, I think I just saw on the old Twitter machine that Rick Bone is saying that he will travel. I mean, he said that last night, so that's mm-hmm. what we expected. Riddick was excellent again. I, I thought the Jets were pretty steady defensively for the most part. Obviously, one you know tough bounce, uh, and then on the other play, just it was kind of an exceptional play by the Kraken defender to knock that play pass out of the air. They got it going north, and then great backdoor tap and uh, great setup by Morgan Geeky, the uh, Manitoba product, to John Hayden and. I mean, otherwise, the Jets, I thought, were excellent. Uh, generated plenty. Phil Grubauer was very good in the net. And uh, the Jets, again, I thought their structure was very sound. And what we saw JT uh, coming out of the break, the Jets had two really sound structural games. Uh, and that's sort of what they wanted to get back to after kind of getting a little bit leaky in those games leading into the break with the exception of the third period against the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought that little blip uh, with uh, on Geeky's assist there was the only real uh, little bl- uh, little blip uh, in the Winnipeg Jets game in this in the second period. What'd you make of PLD? What'd you make of Pierre-Luc Dubois' game? Yeah, I mean, I talked about it on our, our podcast last night. I mean, I know a lot of people are uh, upset about the undisciplined penalty, and, and I understand that, but I mean, you got to realize that when you have a player that plays on the edge and occasionally goes over it, uh, those are the kind of penalties that you're going to get from Pierre-Luc Dubois. It, it's not a lazy penalty. It was one that came from a little bit of anger and frustration. And to be quite frank, you know, there weren't a ton of hits in the game. So yes, it was a late hit and he probably should not have done it. But if that helped have him play a stronger third period, I mean, that's the way it goes. I mean, unfortunate for the Jets in some regards and for Dubois himself that the Kraken scored. So it made it a costly penalty, but well, there's two things you can do. You can either hang your head and, and sulk about it, or you can go and do something about it, like get the tying goal and then score the shootout clincher. Uh, so to me, uh, it was an interesting game with some ups and downs. But like I said, I mean, it was tough for Dubois and others to get into the game early. I mean, the Jets had a great start. It was like 11-2 and two, 11-2 in shots early before the penalty uh, parade happened. So... Uh, I get it. Some people are upset about that. And, you know, if that, if that happens in a game seven and that goal is the game winner and the Jets don't find a way to get the equalizer, I get it. Uh, be as mad as you want. But 
it's just the way it goes. And I think Rick Bonus said it best, and he's not the only coach to feel that way. He would much rather have to try to calm a guy down than to kind of get the paddles on him and kind of ask for some intensity because, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois is an intense guy. Like I said, he, he takes a lot of penalties, but he draws more than he takes. And as long as he draws more than he takes, uh, you can live with some of the others, even if the other team happens to score on one uh, due to a, you know, just a crazy, uh, that, that's like Connor Hellbuck would call that a Plinko special. I mean, it went off mm-hmm. two players. It went off to Melo and Appleton, I think, right? So yeah. uh, that, that, that happens on occasion. But sure, I mean, do you want to clean up your discipline a little bit? I think the Jets as a whole needed to be a little bit more disciplined last night. But I would also say the Morgan Barron double minor is unfortunate. It, like He tried to win a battle and go through the defender in Will Borgen. And as he tried to get around him, his stick clips him in the face. It's the right call because you have to be in control of your stick. But Rick Bonus won't be upset with that because he, he wants players to battle through. And it just was an unfortunate thing that his stick caught him uh, you know, under the visor and drew some blood. Ken, last night's lineup was about the full complement, and we haven't seen that in a long, long time this season. Um, how imperative is it to get this this unit that we saw last night on the ice and for this road trip as we head into March 3rd uh, for Kevin Cheveldayoff to just sort of continue to see what he has and what he might want? Yeah, no doubt, Jimmy. I mean, they haven't had their full lineup basically since Game 2 against Dallas when Nikolai Ehlers played you know, the last game before missing 38 of them. Uh, there are still some battles on the periphery of the roster, whether that's for the 11th and 12th forward jobs or the or the sixth defenseman job. But those guys in the lineup are, are the front runners to hold those positions right now. And, you know, now it's about finding chemistry in the line combinations. I mean, we saw in the practice this morning, based on those who were in attendance, that, you know, Nikolai Ehlers and Cole Perfetti have flip-flopped spots again uh, because Rick Bonus was not thrilled with the way that Ehlers, Shifley, and Wheeler were defending, even though Wheeler... Either set up Wheeler for a beautiful goal, right? So it's about the other elements and seeing where guys fit best. And I mean, I think the Jets are still going to be making moves and multiple moves going into the deadline. But for the guys that were in the lineup, I mean, they need to show the best that they can. They're fighting not only to stay in the lineup, but to earn more ice time. You saw Mason Appleton get a promotion, and I thought he's been excellent in his game since he's returned. He needs to get that chemistry going with Lowry. We saw Lowry spring him for a breakaway yesterday off the post. So uh, I think that's very important. And, I mean, what, the fourth line is starting to show a little bit again, too. I mean, they need a little bit more offense from the bottom six. That That's obvious. We've been talking about that for a couple of months here after a strong start for that group. But uh, I still expect them to make some moves. But it is important for them as a whole to start getting their feel and even on the defense pairings. I mean, uh, we don't know if Pionk will stay with Morrissey or if DeMello will slide back up there. But uh, I really like the demello Brennan dillon pairing yesterday as well. So, uh, interesting times for sure, but uh, yeah, I mean, we still expect the same thing we've been talking about for a few months now, Jimmy and Cam. I mean, I, I expect the Jets to make a move for at least one forward, and probably they'd be looking at a you know defenseman too, kind of like the Luke Shen variety, mm-hmm. a guy who plays with some physical nature back there, has some uh, experience, and, and and knows what it takes to win when the chips are down. So uh, I don't think that's changed, but I mean, that also puts those other players on high alert, knowing that. If it's already a battle to stay in the lineup now, I mean, chances are it's going to be a battle in, uh, you know, in, in the weeks leading up to and after March 3rd. Ken Weeb, writer, broadcaster with uh, Sportsnet contributor here on 680 CJOB. Ken, thanks so much and, and safe trip to Columbus. Thanks a lot, guys. Enjoy the show. And uh, as always, thanks for having me. Thanks, Weber. Travel safe.
Can we? Always a pleasure to have uh, Weber on the program. Good insight there. I agree with him, by the way. I I, I think they are still going to look, but it's just important to get this lineup healthy together. Yeah. And then um, not just to showcase, but also look what we need. And I I saw some some, um, uh, insiders discussing it yesterday, and they're like, like, all this is designed around if, like, like Jamie McLennan was saying, I would get them a top six guy. But mm-hmm. for sure, I think they're going to get a top nine guy. And then you can move the likes of Morgan Barron down. You could get a score with Lowry, like those kinds of things. That It just makes you better. It's not that Barron isn't doing a great job. It's just adding that depth to it that Barron, as good as a job as Barron's doing yeah. on the third line, imagine what he could do on a fourth line against other fourth liners. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I think he might even it might even give him that little extra bit of pop. And it might even, of course, it would change the matchups for him. And I oh, think it would yeah. just make him better. And it would improve him heading into next season as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. Let's take a break. Let's come back. The Winnipeg Jets defeating the Seattle Kraken last night, uh, 3-2 in a shootout. What do you think of the shootout, Jim Toth? Don't answer. Alaska when we come back after the 1230 uh, news. Don't, don't, I, uh, don't. But, uh, we'll be right back. But, uh, it, it, I want to, I'll wait. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi, guys. It's time now for your <laughs> one minute power play with Sarah McCarthy. Hi, Sarah. Never gets old. No, never does. <laughs> I do, but it doesn't. <laughs> No one said that. Well, Kevin keeps supplying us with. Um, he just he Kevin just keeps loves pumping this these. Up. This is his favorite segment. Like we should, it should be brought to you by Kevin. Is it, he, Kevin is actually producing this segment, like without a doubt. He keeps texting us these in two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. He's helping the program. What's he got for us? I won't ever sell. I don't know Kevin's last name, and I would never say it on air because I'm afraid his boss will be listening. Because <laughs> the amount of time he's spending producing this program, this. One Don't want his boss play. to hear the power play brought to you by Kevin and Bailey's <laughs> in your coffee. <laughs> okay, so here's the questions today, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Oh, questions. Uh, yeah, there's two. Okay. Which letter is silent in the word sent? Is it the S or the C? <laughs> I'm sounding it out. The C? No, the S. I don't know. Send. I don't know. I, th- I think you sound. I think you say them both. Well, if you had a penny, I, you had one. Because you go sent. Sent. It's both. But it's like two S sounds. Okay. All right. I don't actually know, Kevin. I don't actually know. I think you say them both. I think the C also makes an S sound. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. What's the other question? Uh, Does a straw have one hole or two holes? One. This I know. Kyle Connor did this. One. It's got one hole. It's got one hole. That's right. Nice try, Kevin. Nice try, Kevin. (laughs) Trying to slip that one past us. Come on. Nice try, Kevin. It's not two. It's only one. That's the top to bottom. Save save these questions for Jeopardy. Get something harder, Kevin. (laughs) Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kevin. Thank Thanks, you. That's Sarah. your one-minute power play brought to you by One Whole Straws with Sarah McCarthy. Sarah got off easy that time. Yeah. She really did. That's too bad. 204-780-6868. Earlier today, she was telling me how much she absolutely loves this segment. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you were just uh, you just turned around earlier today, and you're just like saying hi to Sarah. It's like, hey, Sarah, how, how was your day? Yeah. And she just goes, I'm not Skylar Peters. I'm Sarah. Yeah. And it's like, what? Where did that yeah. come from? Yeah. I said, I wasn't asking you to book my show for me like I do Skylar. I was just saying hi. 204 780 How's your Valentine's out. Day? I was good. It was good. Um, uh, just stayed at the house. Like, honestly, like chicken fingers and fries is what we did. Like I threw that in the air fryer. That was like, and I made some homemade honey dill Ricky sauce. Ricky and Bubbles come over. Yeah. <laughs> 
Those are the good chicken fingers, Jim. <laughs> those are the eight dollar no, ones. We didn't get the superstore. Brand. One of the best we lines ever, get... Julian. Those are the good kind. Those are the eight dollar ones. Are the expensive chicken finger. No, so I made honey dill, and she was working late. So no, that's all we did. Then I made um, uh, there's like a, a a Disney World. They have the Dole Whip, which is like a pineapple sorbet sort of, and I I made that for. Wow, her. sorbet. Yeah, well, I don't like to bring out fancy words, but I got some culinary skills. Sorbet, sorbet. How was yours? What did you get up to? Ah, nothing. Perfect. Just watched the game, took notes. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. That's what it is now, you know. <laughs> yes. Literally, I took notes listening to the post game. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Kelly I just, and I, I, I recorded and I watched the third period live. Oh. And I caught up to it. That's what I did. Oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting to do that that way. I've I've had some other people I've worked with before. Like they'll they'll record it and then they'll watch it that night. Yeah. But they'll start late and then they avoid all the. Yeah. Only but if I have the only like if I, have I uh, Paul and Jamie on while I'm watching and I mute the TV yeah, and then only if I'm only if I got something else going on. That's the only time I ever do that. Right. And I always so basically, I spent my Valentine's with Day with Paul Edmonds and Jamie Thomas. Perfect. You should tell them that. Exchanging big words. That's what we did. 204-780-6868. Uh, talking about the shootouts. I mean, Jim, I don't know how you feel about the shootout here. Um, this uh, Dom Texas show, he says, the shootout is terrible, needs to go to two five-minute halves, uh, still tied, uh, remains a tie. Um, also, you lose an OT, no point. And this one, uh, hi, Cam and Jim. I hate shootouts because goalies get wins for shootouts and players who score winning shootout goals should get credit. I don't think players should get credit for shootout goals at all. Um, I, uh, you know, well, that's that's just my opinion about it. Yeah, but, I don't either. Uh, listen, Could you imagine how that would change? Yeah. Like if there's a team like the Oilers that do 17 shootouts a year and yeah. Leon Dreisaitl gets 15 goals and 17 shootouts, so it yeah. adds to his totals. I, I don't think that the points or the goals should count a shootout. I don't mind a goalie getting a win. I mean, the goalie in a shootout, if a goalie mm-hmm. goes 60 minutes, goes five minutes of three on three, and then gets through a shootout, he deserves a W for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Colorado's had but I seven. But I love the idea of 10-minute overtime, three-on-three. Three. Minnesota has had eight shootouts. Uh, Colorado's had seven shootouts so far this year, What do you crazy. What me. do you think of, um, like, the 10-minute three-on-three and then a shootout? Absolutely. And, and Split sh- it in half. Do yeah. five minutes and then change the direction of the ice or just go the full 10 nonstop? No, no, no. I, I think you change direction after five. I think you stop it at five and then you get another period. You get let the guys go have a breather for a minute, have a whatever, take some time, and then go back out there. Not I, too I, much I, time, but... Yeah, no. Like, uh, the shootout is all designed around, A, having a winner, like not yeah. having ties anymore, and then, B... It, the game's got to end. Like it's I, not like the yeah. playoffs. You got a plane to catch, and yeah, I, I, I it, it couldn't go longer than that. Um, I, I honestly don't think ties are that bad. I don't think people hated ties in the first place. Like I don't think it was. I think the NHL was trying to like uh, have a winner and have somebody leave the rink. You know, with the, somebody's leaving as a victor. I, I don't think that that necessarily needs to be. So the this case. is the time of the year, Cam, that ties sucked. Because I remember it clearly, and it was for the first 50 games, it was whatever, and yeah. teams. And this is the time of year that teams – so right now, you go for it because you want the extra point, yeah. and you've already got the one. Back in ties, if you you didn't get a point, so nobody wanted to – everybody wanted the tie point. Yeah, It wasn't free unless you actually tied. Okay, well then just keep it the way it is right now that you're both... So, so what I'm talking yeah. about now is so teams that... Um, so say you're on the cusp, you're the eight yeah. seed right now. 
Um, if if you don't aren't try, you would just sit back. And back then, overtime was I think you know in the playoffs. But I, I'm trying to remember if there was five. It was five on five. It wasn't three on three, and it was for five minutes. And nobody tried to score because they didn't want the team that they're playing, especially in a divisional game, down the last thirty to get another point. Okay, well then just so instead it, of yeah. trying to win the game, they just kept trying to prevent the team from beating them. And both teams did that, and then it just ended. So Calgary and Edmonton are playing each other. It goes to overtime. It's five on five, and nobody's really taking a chance to try and score because they don't want the other team to get the extra point. Okay. So they didn't. It was a. It was five minutes of do not make a mistake. Okay. Well, I never even thought of it like that. Well, that's how. Like, and that's why they they said this is ridiculous. And then I, I've told this story about in the late or the mid-90s, I went to an Oilers-Anaheim um, game, and this was in the Solani-Korea days, mm-hmm. and Jason Arnott and Doug Wade and the Oilers. And it went to overtime. No, no, it didn't. It, it ended in the third period. It was one, It was 0-0 into the third period. The Oilers scored in the first three minutes of the, the third period. The Ducks tied it with 10 minutes to go, and then I think they won it with like a minute to go on a turnover. And the game ended 2-1. And the shots were, I'm not kidding you, 19 to 17. And it was the most boring thing I'd ever been witness to. (laughs) And I said to myself, leaving that arena with the people I was with and they agreed, could you imagine if that turnover didn't happen and they just went into overtime, each with a point, and nobody tried to win this game? It would have ended shots 20 to 18. And you just wasted $300 for the most boring thing you ever saw. And so that's when the whole idea of the shootout came in. And okay. so it was for the regular season only for that if you go to overtime, that there's at least some excitement in the building. Okay. And, and if you remember what hockey was like in the 90s, so it was like the clutch and grab and, and all that yeah. kind of thing. And so it just became this thing that people were upset that they were spending all this money and then games would end 1-1. Okay. Well, and it wasn't exciting and it wasn't entertaining. But then at the end of the the shootout, people were like, just now, like we all say we hate the shootout. It's exciting. But who's not on the edge of their seat last night when Dubois coming in to try and win it? Yeah, we all are. I mean, I totally am. I mean, I, when I, I, and I'll be honest about this losing in a shootout, I take those losses as a Jets fan harder than some other ones. I honestly do because it's just like it's, it yeah, was that close. I can see that. And, like you get um, the one point and and things, but yeah. but that the way it's designed now, and I think people would agree that even the overtime they're going for it. Like remember the first time three and three came in a couple of years ago, it was the first two weeks of it was all out chaos. It was complete it was, pandemonium. They were all over within a minute. Yeah, because all three guys just got the puck and went to the net. There was no coaching because the coaches hadn't figured it out yet. Everyone yeah. was just going. And then for when it, it got yeah. coached, it became boring. It became yeah. a thing of possession. And, and, and like we kind of, and then now I think it's good. I think there's people, it's about possession. They leave the zone all the time, but yet they still try to score. So I would love another five minutes of it and then the shootout. But my question is, is even if they did 10 minutes of three on three, how many less shootouts do you think there'd be? I I couldn't see three on three going 10 minutes and it not ending. Yeah, it, it would drastically drop it. I mean, ever since they moved from four on four to three on three, I mean, the amount of shootouts dropped like a stone. I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that it was significant. 
But I like that, Jim. Like, just have an extra point, and then if it goes to 10 minutes, yeah, and have a I shootout. Just, you're, I, right. You know, you're right about that. You I are. remember the days of five-on-five five overtime, and nobody tried to win because they didn't want the other team to get wow. a point. Five-on-five. Five, like, I mean, how many of those games, like, how many yeah. how many players? So now even, knowing somebody's going to get a point anyways, they go for it, right? Yeah. Like, they try to win it. and and But back then, when if it wasn't so much about you trying to get that extra point, it was about not giving up the point to somebody else, and it was just boring and awful overtime. Mike texts the show, 204 780 6860. Did he said, uh, and he asks if Janssen, uh, Axel Janssen, Felby cleared waivers. He did yesterday at one o'clock. He has been assigned to the Moose. I think he's out there practicing with them. Um, if not right now, then earlier today. Uh, in terms of Neil, Neil says goalies should get the win uh, in shootouts. Uh, should not get the win, Neil says. Sorry, he's going to get a text from him uh, saying he said the exact opposite. A win is three points. OT win is two points, and a tie is one each. No points for OT loss. That's my thought. That this question of how can you give a goalie a win and not give a scorer a point? Well, very easily. Like the goalie is, you can't have you can't have a guy scoring in a shootout count as a goal. Because it's not, it's you're not, not part of hockey. It's not part of hockey. But the save in a shootout is part of hockey. The goalie's been doing them all night. Yeah. The, I, I the, bre- the breakaway unimpeded with nobody chasing you is has not happened at all during the game. So it's not a point that you should be able to. So I, I agree. I think the goalie still gets the win. And Three-point games keep the standings closer, so teams are less likely to be out of contention early in the season. The NHL likes that for the reason I would imagine Ken Sutherland. And Three-point games will never happen for this point. If you just look at the standings right I, now. I did the numbers, Jim. It's over for yeah, some teams. Yeah, Jim, and I, I did the numbers one year. Uh, actually, I did it for back-to-back years to see if there really was three points for a win, two points for an OT win, uh, an OT victory, and one point for an overtime loss. Okay, three points for winning regulation. Over those two years that I did that, there was only one instance where I think Calgary jumped over uh, Nashville and they would have made the playoffs instead of the opposite. Other than that, seeding was exactly the same. But here's the problem with it. It's the false parity. Yeah. It's the it's the teams that are in eighth, ninth, and tenth place that yeah. are currently four points back mm-hmm. with three point wins. They would be twelve points back. Yeah, I mean, so, I don't, my math yeah. is, but you get the picture. Yeah, like yeah. A European soccer's like this, and the season's not even half over, and there's already two teams that have no that are so far out of it. The NHL doesn't want you looking at the standings in February and having three point wins in regulation, and there'll be at least six teams in each conference that are. 12, 18 points back as opposed to six or eight points back. The Ottawa Senators have won five of their last six games. They're seven points back. That at this point in the season with less than 30 it's games over, left. It's over. They're not it, making it's, it. It's an, it's an almost insurmountable um, uh, challenge that they have to but overcome. But when you look at it, they're only seven points back. Hey, that's four wins. But in reality, it takes you three months yep. to gain five points in the standings. Yep. yep. Exactly. On, on the way it has worked out. So it's just, it's a false parity. And and I, we all know it is kind of, but that's why they don't because teams like like Minnesota, so Calgary has sixty one points and they're tied with eighth and seventh Minnesota and Colorado, but they're four points back at Edmonton with three point regulation wins. Edmonton has two more points than Colorado and Minnesota, or two more wins. So instead of being four points back, they'd be eight points back. Yeah, uh, Casey Texas Show, 204-780-6868. Final little bit here before we uh, uh, go to the break. Um, uh, Casey says, where would Dallas be in the standings if they got no points for their 12 overtime games? Um, well, I know that they've got 11 loser points so far. Um, well, they'd be 12 points less. 
Yeah, and they've got two wins in <laughs> – they're 2-11 and 11 in overtime. I mean, a prime example is if you got an extra point for a win. The Jets have 34 wins. They'd have 34 more points, one yeah. more point for every win. And, and Yeah, and, and, and Jim, in terms of the, fall, the false parity, that's 100% correct. But in terms of it actually making a difference in terms of teams that make the playoffs and don't, for the three points to the two points for a win in regulation, it, it really honestly a doesn't make of mine, a difference. A former colleague of mine, Rick Ralph, used to run the numbers on 10-game increments, and he's done this for several seasons. And what he found was... If you're five points back, you have a less than 10% chance to gain ground on two other teams, and it takes you on average three months to do it. Yeah. And because of that is because of how 10-game increments go for teams. And if there's two teams ahead of you for eight spot, you need that eight spot team and the two teams ahead of you to all lose basically five straight games, and you need to win five straight. Now, we all know that doesn't happen. Yeah. Four teams are not going to collectively lose five games straight and one team win five games straight. So you go, you win three, then you lose one. The other two team win ones and loses two, but then the other team wins three and gets one. And it's just, it takes three months to gain five points in the standings once you get past American Thanksgiving. And the three points for a win would just shatter that out of the ballpark. And you would know who is making the playoffs by the middle of January. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll hear from Cole Perfetti uh, at practice. The Winnipeg Jets had a practice today. I'll tell you who was on the ice, who wasn't. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, did he get some uh, time out on the ice? Is he heading off uh, with the team? Well, if you were listening to Ken Weeb with us uh, earlier, you, you know the answer to that. But if you weren't, I'll tell you after this. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, definitely gonna use that to motivate me. I mean, everyone's got a role in this team. Everyone, you know, Bones has, you know, he knows what he's doing and he, um, he obviously has a plan and, um, you know, when it's my turn to go, I'm going to go and give everything I have and give my full effort. And when it's, you know, other turn, other guys turns to go, it's, uh, you know, going to be full support and, and, um, just getting ready for my next shift. Cole Perfetti moved around yesterday. He's been uh, moving up and down quite a bit over the last little bit. Um, I think it's just Cole Perfetti. Just he's a young kid trying to find his uh, his skating legs still in this league and, and find spots and um, just playing the right way. But I don't think anybody thinks that Cole Perfetti is not going to get to where he's going to go. I mean, it's just going to take time. He's like, what is he, 20, 21 years old? My goodness gracious. He's fine, yeah. Um, but what stood out to me about what Rick Bonus said about that when they asked him about being on the fourth line for yeah. a shift or two was he said, I kept my pairs together. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens at the trade deadline, I think we see who's going to be together and who will come in. So Shifley Wheeler, Connor Dubois. Yes. Lowry Barron or Lowry, Lowry Appleton. Lowry Appleton, yeah. yeah. Barron might go down then. But whoever they add, whether it's Timu Meyer, whether it's yeah. Nick Ritchie, whether it's James Van Riemsdyk, Shifley Wheeler, Dubois Connor, Lowry, I guess it's Appleton or Barron, but those pairs will stay the same. And whomever they add... Somebody on the wing will slide down, but those pairs stay the same from what I took from what Rick Bonus said last night. Uh, Connor Hellebuck did step on the ice, uh, did leave early after some work. Uh, Nate Schmidt wasn't uh, out there skating, so we'll uh, look to get an update on him uh, in just the next little bit here. Uh, just as we head to, wow, well, we only got about 30 seconds here. Uh, the Canucks still stink. One three and one since the All Star break have allowed twenty five goals in that time frame and uh, Quinn Hughes and Connor Garland and uh, Joshua Dakota Joshua they're getting and mixing it up on the ice. It's just an absolute gong show. Yeah, and I I don't know how management or ownership 
hasn't watched some of the comments the last month, the fallout of, of how they treated Bruce Boudreaux to now players fighting on the ice. It's just a miserable time. And I often think of this. People ask me, like, how could anybody be upset going to the rink if you're an NHL player? And it's clearly in Vancouver. Like, I don't yeah. know how many of those guys get up and go, I can't wait to get to practice today. That Rick bonus and is... that's sad. Yeah, Nate Schmidt's absence, just maintenance. Well, just like, so I was looking on the internet, just looking for photos of... Uh, Quinn Hughes and how miserable he's looked on the ice over the last. There's there's hot, there's like twenty of them. How miserable he has been. Anyways, that's it. Jim told the ticket all the way until three o'clock. Thank you very much, Jeffrey Forte, for producing the show. That's it for me. I'll be back same time tomorrow. See ya. Chats at noon on six eighty CJOB.